an epic matchup between your two favorite teams, and you're at the game getting the most from what it means to be here with American Express. You breeze through the card member entrance, stop by the lounge. Now it's almost tip-off, and everyone's already on their feet. This is going to be good. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your live sports experience at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Eligible American Express card required. Benefits vary by card and by venue. Terms apply. Do you ever feel like you're settling? For your foundation, that is. Maybelline's new Instant Age Rewind Eraser Foundation doesn't settle into fine lines and wrinkles. With SPF 20 and moisturizing pro-vitamin B5, this foundation not only provides medium coverage and a natural finish, but also protects and nourishes your skin. And the best part? The blurring sponge tip applicator makes application a breeze. Say goodbye to cakey, uneven foundation and hello to a flawless, radiant complexion. Try our new foundation today and see the difference for yourself at Amazon.com slash Instant Eraser Foundation. Welcome to the ID10T podcast number 1136. Hey, let's talk about you, the ID10T community events at ID10T.com, like Russ Stevens, a.k.a. Cool Movies Darth, who has started a podcast called 90 for Chill, uh, which Russ says is dedicated to movies with a runtime between 74 and 99 minutes, the time frame that I feel is ideal. Russ, I could not agree with you more. That is a fantastic idea. Uh, Russ goes on to say there are times you need a cinematic fix but don't have time for the latest Scorsese masterpiece or offering from a comic book universe. There's also times when you know you need a conclusion to prevent a binge costing you a whole night. Um, I guess and I try to follow these guidelines as we chat up features that are definitely worth your time and are beyond easy to make time for. 90 for Chill, the podcast, can be found on all major podcast platforms at 94chill.com, and that's spelling out 90, uh, N-I-N-E-T-Y, 4, F-O-R, chill. Um, so there you go. Thank you so much for sharing, Russ. A uh, really great idea for a podcast. Events at ID10T.com for everyone else. This episode is Stanley Tucci. I mean, I don't have to list all his credits because there's a million of them, but it's Stanley freaking Tucci, uh, who was awesome, by the way. Uh, He's written a really lovely book called Taste, My Life Through Food, which is in bookstores now, which um, details his uh, relationship to uh, uh, foods and, and to Italy and uh, and also um, really opens up about his uh, struggles with a cancer diagnosis from a few years ago. So um, uh, I recommend this book. This was a really lovely chat. Stanley was so um, kind and and really very open about everything and uh, uh, and really funny too. Super funny guy. Uh, it was just a really great chat, and I really appreciated him uh, taking the time to have it. So here is the ID10T podcast number eleven thirty six with Stanley. Tucci as we roll the thing. Roll the thing. How would you say that in Italian? I don't know. I guess you would say like fai la cosa or fai quella cosa. Do the thing. Mm. I gotta look that up. To the internet as we roll the thing. Initiating ID10T protocol.
Hi, I'm so sorry. You're fine. You wait, 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 aren't you gonna play something? <laughs> uh, Stanley Tucci. I don't know. Do you do you have a do you have a song? Should we sing something in Italiano? Oh, I don't know. Do you know something in Italiano? I mean, I don't know how to play any songs in Italian, but um, but I speak the language. Yes, clearly. <laughs> no, seriously, I io parlo italiano perché la mia famiglia è di Italia, la bisnonna di Calabria. Oh. So, really? Sì. You're kidding from Calabria? Yeah, both great grandparents. Oh my god. Yeah. Wow, you, do you know, like, from where? Or? I do, actually, and the reason that I know is because I found out during pandemic that I qualify for my blood right of dual citizenship. Good. And so I'm, Good. I'm going through the process just because, like, well, why not? Why not have dual citizenship? Yeah. Our future child will get it, and why not? Like, I love Italy. Why, what, what if we did go there sometimes and spent part of the year? Why not? I have been in the process for four years trying to get my parents are Italian though, right? Like, no, see, it's so complicated because it has to do, and the laws are always changing. Yeah. Uh, It used to be just the paternal side, right? Right. They completely negate, like, like the woman had nothing to do with having children. So ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah. Because, you know, otherwise would there be children? No. So, you it has to do with when your let me think when your parents were born if your parents were born after your after my grandparents were became american citizens naturalized yeah then i would not be eligible right but if before so we did find that one of them wasn't and so it works. But also then the rules change because it's now it can be both man and woman and blah, blah, blah. Also, the Italian government gave me uh, a um, – they made me a cavaliere, right? Oh, so that's like nice. a, I'm a sort of knighted or whatever. Uh, but I still don't I – still, I still don't have a passport. <laughs> you, should show up, you should show up dressed like an Italian knight. Hey, I don't I need to uh, – you know, I'm a fu- kind of a fucking knight over here. You know, I've been yeah. I've been following the um, the Italian consulate in L.A. because they've been shut. They they've been closed. There are five categories. This is so boring for anyone who doesn't care about dual citizenship. But there are five categories through which you can get it. Obviously, if your parents, yeah. you know, and then it kind of goes down from there. And I'm in one of the lower categories, which is my great grandparents immigrated um, after a certain date in the early 1900s. But then my grandfather was born on American soil before they naturalized. So he was born in 1917. They didn't naturalize until 1922. Technically, he was an Italian citizen born on American soil. So that is why I am eligible. Oh, that is so cool. That's great. Yeah. That's or great. La doppia cittadinanza. So, so obviously, you know, during pandemic, they weren't reviewing any new applications for um, – uh, you know, for my category of uh, for dual citizenship, which is perfectly understandable. But um, I follow the Italian consulate in L.A. on Instagram. And I just found out that their online appointment system opened up uh, October 1st. So uh, I'm very excited. Um, I really do think I mean, living in living in London and and watching the 
you know, the, the mess of Brexit, um, you definitely want to have as many passports as you can. <laughs> I, mean, I just think, you know, like for us, I think it was just about, you know, when, when so many of us were inside for so long in one building for so long and then kind of started daydreaming like, well, where out? Like if we were ever going to, as we realized, like, you know, look, you're obviously you can work as a performer and live in London. But for the longest time, there was this real thing of like, if you want to be an act, you got to live in L.A. if you want to do film or television or New York, if you want to do theater. And obviously the theater thing is still true for New York. But for the other yeah. stuff, it's like, but do you have to live in L.A. anymore? Like, you, you know, you can send yeah. You can teleconference. You can send in videos. You most stuff doesn't even shoot here. No, that's the thing is that I wrote about this in the book. This that you know for so long. I mean, I started working in first time I worked in Vancouver was thirty five years ago, and it was a small town at the time. But things were really, really people really were starting to shoot there a lot. And now it's a mecca, just like Toronto and England is beyond. It's so busy here that you can't. They can't get crews. They're building new studios wow. literally every day. Amazon is building a huge studio. They're building, I don't know how many studios they're building. It's, it's staggering. And, I'll, you know, a lot of it is because, excuse me, because America, for some reason, is not really acknowledging the importance of our industry, that it employs so many people, so many people, that and the, the the positive effect it has on the economy, it, it, I mean, England is a completely different place because of it. Well, there are other there are other like you know obviously Atlanta is oh Atlanta is huge now. like a huge production center. Austin is now like a pretty big yeah. production center, and so there are other places that have started to crop up. But it just we really started to realize like, well, where else could we? And then, you know, we love Italy and I, you know, my mom's family is Italian and I speak the language for the most part. So it just seemed like, well, Italy's a cool place. What if we, you know, and we have a baby on the way and it's like, oh, what a fun oh. thing. Oh, congratulations. Thank you. So what a fun thing for a baby, like for a child to have this like, you know, cross continental, cross cultural experience to be. Absolutely. So I don't know if we're going to do. I don't know, but it just it, it's it's been fun Listen, to dream about it. If you can do it, do it. Um, Listen, have, is Italy is Italy easy to navigate? No. <laughs> well, getting <laughs> the, getting the paperwork's tricky, but it's but but the but Italy itself. It's like oh, you hop on a train and you're in another province or another region, and it's like and and it. Although I do have to say that one of the trickier things is that learning the language, um, because it's such an older culture than the United States, the dialectical differences of the different regions are very confusing. Like, oh, they say this here, but a couple hours north, they say this differently no. in this way. No. And so it's a couple hours, 15 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> do you speak? Do you speak the language? I do speak the language. Okay, I learned when I was uh, living in Italy when I was a kid. So I was 12, 12, 13. I lived in Florence. And that's what I learned. However, that was 48 years ago. So right. I, I, I started taking lessons before I started doing this television show for CNN. I started taking lessons again. 
because I had to, because I really had to speak fluently because I had to do interviews with people in both languages and, and, and it was incredibly helpful. So now it's much stronger than it's ever been. The more time I spend there, the easier it gets, but I do need to immerse myself one more time. Yeah, the immersion really helps because it you can do the apps or you do some conversational, but until you are sort of forced to live in it to communicate, it just yeah. the brain, I don't know, as an adult, your brain is just like, yeah, but I'm not speaking this right now, so I'm just going to make you forget all the shit you thought. I, like I try to we try to watch Italian horror movies and I'm so frustrated that I have to read the subtitles. I'm like, god damn it. I, I speak the language and I got to read the fucking subtitles, but it, 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 uh, I have to read the yeah. subtitles. I can't, I can't. And a lot of stuff when we're on, I'm doing the show, I'll talk to people and then I just go like, I have no idea what that person said. And I have to turn to, I've asked for, you know, someone has to be there translating because either they speak too quickly or they're speaking a, a dialect or, it just didn't, it just didn't go in, you know, and other times it seems like I'm perfectly fluent, you know, it doesn't, you know, but I think, I think it's really, it's so important. I try to speak to my little ones. Now, my older kids blame me. They're like, dad, you never taught us Italian. I'm like, you're an idiot. Okay. I tried to teach you Italian and you wouldn't listen. So go Fucking learn it yourself, you know. <laughs> yeah, I know. There's apps that, like, you know, it's so easy to learn anything now. We basically live in a time where you can find out anything you want about anything, anything ever. Anything. So it's, it's not that hard. Yeah. I don't know why, you know, this it, is probably going to be a weird thing to say, but I don't know well, why, Tucci, I feel like we're going to be pals and I don't, I just have this weird feeling, you know, especially <laughs> it's just like, the the Italian connection and then, you know, and I think some of it is also like when you're a fan of someone and you're like, oh, I could probably be friends with that guy. But then really it's just like, well, you just like him because you're a fan of him. No, no, but, I know uh, that. And I, I, yeah, I know. I know what you mean. <laughs> I know what you sometimes mean. you'll meet people and you go, no, aren't we friends? Oh, no, I've just seen you on a thing. I just saw right, you on a thing. Right, right, right. Yeah. And now we've done an interview. Are we friends? No, no, actually we're not friends. <laughs> but then we could be friends. <laughs> well, you're, but also just sort of reading about your um, your connection to Italy and your connection to Italian cuisine. I mean, you know, I, I my mom when I was growing up, my great grandparents were alive, and my my mom's they, they had a, they had eleven children. My mom's uh, you know grand my mom's father and his siblings. What? We used to have these insane family brunches on Sundays where it's like you'd go to mass and then the great aunts and the great grandmothers would make everything by hand and everyone would just be hanging out like it's what? Yeah, where yeah. was this? This was in Florida. You know they came over in the early nineteen hundreds and then they settled in um, in New Jersey or New okay. York and then New Jersey. And then my grandfather in like the 40s after World War II kind of settled in Florida and he said, Psst, hey, there's no winter down here. And so the whole family just kind of migrated south. Oh, really? And they just – and they wanted to be close to each other. So they just like planted. Um, yeah, of course, there always have to be within spitting distance of each other. Where, <laughs> where, where, where in Florida? Uh, Miami. It was it was Miami. Oh, Miami. Uh, oh, yeah. Wow. Yeah. So that's where I, that's where my mom grew up. But where? But your? I thought for some reason I thought your parents were born in Italy and then immigrated. No, no, no. no. 
No, my my grandparents. So my my grandparents would be your great grandparents in in in, in essence. So they came over at they came over the sort of turn of the century. Uh, well, not true. My my father's grandfather came over around turn, turn of the century. Yeah, uh, he was fourteen. My mother's father came over after he fought in World War One for Italy, and then came over after that. Okay, um, so he would have come over between the wars. Um, my his wife was actually only three when she came from Italy, and my f- father's uh, mother came over when she was a young woman. So it's they're all basically they're all from Calabria, but the the timing of it is all about the same. And gotcha. they were the, they were part of that huge wave of Italians that came over you know over a period of like. 25, 30 years. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your home projects done well. Whether it's routine maintenance and emergency repair or a dream project, Angie lets you browse homeowner reviews, compare quotes from multiple local pros, and even book a service instantly. So the next time you have a home project, just Angie that and start getting the most out of your home. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code WONDERY to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. Yeah, the thing that kind of breaks my heart a little bit is that when they came over, they wanted to acclimate to American culture as quickly as possible. So they, they changed the pronunciation of my mom's last name. Yes, yes. Which was supposed to be Facente, but now it's Facenti, you know, and it just... Yeah, I hate that. And it's like, uh, but, but at the time they were like, no, we need to blend in and we need to. And so, you know, I really, I always kind of wish they would change it back, but now it's been up over a hundred years. So yeah, I, I know, but you, you know, but also no matter, even if you do an American still going to read that as Vicente. Right. Exactly. Right. Vincent, was it Vicente? Vincente? Uh, with an F. Facente. 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 Oh, Facente. Okay. Well, yeah, they're going to read it that way because they're just going to read it that way. <laughs> you know, they don't know that the that the e after the c is soft, so it makes the you know the, that makes, makes the soft c. Yeah. But but you know the 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 book that you wrote, the ta- taste, uh, uh, which is out October fifth. Yes. Um, it's it, it it really kind of exp- it, Obviously, we know that you know. Oh yeah, eating is like a food. You know, it's like a communal experience, but really just the relationship of food. Like it is, food is life, uh, and it's funny to me how like 
it used to be before we were so distracted by a million things that that, that mealtime was really the, the most communal thing that you could do, you know, with your own little unit. Yeah. And just sort of reading about how, like, you know, you you develop this taste for, like, TV dinners and Velveeta and all these things and <laughs> convenience. It's like, of course, if you're a kid and you're eating all this one kind of food, like, processed food tastes fucking great, you know, especially to yeah. a kid. Yeah. But I just think it's interesting how as we – as the meal sort of became less communal and more about just surviving, you know, just like eat, you know, just something you do to keep going, how the lack of kind of communal substance, there's a real parallel with the lack of like nutritional and food substance. Oh my know? God. Yes. I mean, I, I mean, America and so much of the Western world has moved in absolutely the wrong direction. We're starting a little bit to go back. But we moved in the wrong direction. You know, all those processed foods that really began when I was young um, have taken over. And now we're sort of clawing our way back to organic or to, you know, my kids, there's a Kellogg cereal here now that is like beetroot and apple <laughs> and wow. whatever. And there is no sugar in it. And there is no, well, in England, you don't have high, fruit, high fructose corn syrup. Right. So none of, so Ritz crackers are completely different here than they are in America. Oh, wow. They have, gotcha. They, they don't have high fructose corn syrup. I hope it has a cool <laughs> British name like Root Flakes, like something that's just really functional. No, it's like Kellogg's. Who knows what it's called? <laughs> Kellogg's but, fucking Roots. What do you want? That's the whole thing. Yeah, I don't know. But it's really interesting because you see these huge conglomerates starting to sort of claw their way back, you know, to reach a different demographic and to do the right thing, you know, socially <laughs> and all that. But we're so far in the wrong direction, it is going to take a while. Like, you know, with like what you drive, you know, it's like, yeah. how do you get rid of all those cars? What happens to them? Yeah, I know. I mean, and it, and what do you and do with them? I, I have no idea. I honestly <laughs> have no idea. I don't know how much longer it's going to be before they just start launching shit into space. Like, we yeah. fire, fire all this, you know, fucking metal and shit into space. Yeah. Yeah, and then pretty soon there's going to be something's going to happen, and you know there'll be a whole bunch of old Chevys falling on top of us. Yeah, or we'll just have to recycle them into like multi-use spaces or something. I I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen, but it, but 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 hopefully this this kind of move back to, you know, the book really makes you appreciate not just the um, importance of like the process of the meal, but just. But just the appreciation of food and not only from the standpoint of like, you know, food is delicious, but also when you're literally faced with a life threatening illness that challenges your ability to taste and appreciate and enjoy food, you really like that much more. Oh, wow. No, you really need to appreciate this while we have it. Yeah, Yeah. it takes it. Well, I, I suppose, as I say, it takes you to another level. So you um, you realize, I mean, I knew it, but I didn't know it as much as I know it now because of that. Uh, I That that was everything to me. That I can, I'd rather not, 
sounds terrible, but I'd almost rather not be around than not be able to eat and and drink and enjoy the company of friends and cook cook with people and otherwise uh, you know uh, life is dross otherwise well and i and i also think it is this is something that i think a lot of people hopefully learned during the pandemic which is that um you know we, we especially in american culture i feel like we prioritize Success, whatever that means, you know, above everything else, at the expense of our health, at the expense of our relationships, at the expense of everything. Yeah. And when I think back, you know, and I'm curious to know if you feel the same way. I mean, I've gotten to do a lot of really cool things. You've done amazing things, career things that, of course, are fantastic. But when you really think like, well, what are the most meaningful experiences that I have that really stick with me? To me, it's like. Oh, that vacation we took with a couple of friends or the time my wife and I did this or the time we got to walk the dog here. You know, it's like those experiences, experiences around food. Um, those are the things that you kind of realize, I think, as you get older, like, oh, wait, oh, fuck. OK, no, I think it's I think those are the important things. And the other thing, I'm just kind of chasing some kind of bullshit thing to make myself yeah. feel like I've done something. But these are the actual substantive experiences. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. And yeah, and also, you know, it's, it's it's interesting that you say that because I think a lot of it has to do with the way we take in the world, the way each individual takes in the world, right? So <clears throat> I take in the world uh, a lot through my mouth and nose a lot, right? So I'm very sort of gustatory olfactory. And those are the, the things that are connected to that are the things that are significant that are substantive for other people. It might just be this. I just hear it's music. It's those concerts I went to. It's the blah, blah, blah. It's the first time I heard blah, blah, blah. It's the first time I heard my child's voice. And other people it's, Oh, it's the first time I played uh, football tennis, you know, and then tennis with my son or tennis with, you know, whatever. And, and those are the things that give us, the, the experiences that that we remember, but also they're the things that make us who we are and that make us want to dive deeper, delve deeper into experiences like that. That and and that's where we that's where we go naturally. Um if if we allow ourselves to and not just worry about like, oh I have to have a you know, I'm supposed to be a businessman or I'm supposed to be an accountant or I'm supposed to be a blah, blah, blah. If we really let ourselves go where the, all that, those senses take us, we, we could, everybody can be like an amazing success story. But I think that we don't follow that. We're not taught to follow that. I'm ext- I'm extrapolating and I'm 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 becoming boring but No, you're not boring but- at all because this is something that I like to talk about a lot and I think it is I think it because it because we've been so reflective in the you know <laughs> in the last handful of months we we we've cult- like as a planet have had to become a lot more reflective and thinking about what's important and I don't think anyone ever gets to the end of their life and goes I really wish I had stressed more fuck you know like I had all these opportunities to stress <laughs> And I could have been so much less present. Like, no one, no one says those things. And so it sort of feels like, uh, <laughs> how, do I, 
Nobody one regrets. Yeah, I just, in a very long I, time. <laughs> <laughs> what are your regrets? I just, you know, I I just enjoyed things. I enjoyed people too much. You know, like it just, <laughs> it, 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 so it just feels like. <laughs> You know, I've been I've been very reflective about these things, and 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 I feel like we do a lot of things like that we're that we think we're putting off the being in the moment or the enjoying of something. The enjoy yeah. it's like we're we're looking at these meta experiences. We're cataloging everything so that we you know I guess we'll enjoy them at a later time. But we never. A friend of mine just said, "Oh, I, I saw a concert and I was recorded the whole thing." And I go, "Did you watch it back?" No, I didn't. I, so I missed the concert because I was recording it and I never watched it back. It's like, yeah, don't fucking just enjoy the thing while you're doing it. Be in the moment. Yeah, and I say, <laughs> and I think that's what I mean. I think it's one of the reasons that people become actors in a way. It's because when you're, you know, the goal is to be in the moment. If you're in the moment, then it's a real interaction. Yeah. It's not, if you're not, it's just a, whatever. You're just recreating human behavior, but you're not actually um, connecting with another person. Therefore, the thing isn't visceral, real, vital, or whatever. And it's the same in any art form. You have to be in the moment, whether you're painting, uh, composing music, playing music. Uh, these are all, otherwise it's just an idea and life is, you can have an idea, but once you start to realize the idea, you have to get rid of it and live in the moment. Well, and, and the, the idea of being in the moment as it relates to food is that to, to me, food's calls upon the most senses to work in concert at the same time, right? You can see something and you're using your eyes. You can hear something and you're using your ears. But when you're eating something that, you know, if you really enjoy it, if you really take in it, take it in as you're doing it, it's yeah. touch, it's touching your mouth, it's touching your tongue, yeah. it's taste, it's smell. Yeah. If it has some sort of a crackle sound, you can see it, you know, so it really engages. I agree. It, it offers you the opportunity to be as present as possible when you're eating something. Well, that's that's what I wrote in the book is that it, it is edible art. Yeah. Right? So it's this incredibly creative form. It uses all of you. And then you get to fucking eat it. <laughs> and it keeps you alive. And it keeps you alive. Like, that's so cool. You can't do that with a painting. No, you should not eat you know, a painting. You should no, definitely not no, eat a painting. No, that'd be painful. So you like to cook. I well I you know my wife is in a my 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 wife loves to cook and we did we didn't eat we were like about two months into the pandemic I was like you know I don't think I've eaten at home this much since high school and she goes yeah I just really love to cook and so I you know I try a little bit but I'm not she's no. she's just one of these people that intuitively goes oh, I just threw a bunch of like you know my mom's the same I just yeah. threw a bunch of things yeah. in and it's like well this is fucking amazing how did you she, what's her heritage or what did she Irish. Oh, Ira, well, that's very unusual. Yeah, her family's, her family, <laughs> her family's, well, the background of her family is is Irish. And uh, and so, the, you know, she's, and her mom, I guess her she mom. She loves it. She loves it, yeah, yeah, she just, she really loves it. And uh, although I did notice that um, you have a lot, you came up very strongly against spaghetti cutting. I just, I think we really need to address the, uh, that the cutting of spaghetti was something in the book that you're like, I yes, very much. I don't care for it. No, <laughs> you can break That's dry just pasta. My opinion. Spaghetti. <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't. Uh, yeah, I wouldn't. Yeah, I wouldn't. 
I wouldn't suggest it. I Yeah, I just think, here's the thing. <clears throat> Spaghetti is what it is for a reason. It's the length it is for a reason. Right? So, yeah. why change it? You don't, it's, it, it's a very aggressive act um, to cut spaghetti. I think that it, it exists to be paired with certain, uh, certain sauces. So let it just be what it is. Just twirl it. If you want a shorter spaghetti, order a different dish with a shorter, a shorter pasta, I mean. Order a different dish. I feel like you should make a fun comedy PSA about spaghetti cutting and then just get really angry about it. Just yeah, like to save the world. Yeah. yeah Tucci I, says, yeah. don't cut your spaghetti. How do you feel about, I, I, I've gotten a little bit of shit for twirling, for twirling long pasta on a spoon. Yes. Well, well, yes. But that, okay. So you know what the, the issue is with that, right? Do you know no, that the issue the is that it makes is, it easier to eat a bunch of it at once? Of course it does. Uh, it's much more practical. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so eating spaghetti with a spoon was the way is the way I grew up. Twirling spaghetti on the spoon is the way I grew up. <clears throat> That's a very southern Italian thing. In the north, they don't do that. They twirl it like that on the side of the plate or in the middle of the plate. There were even plates, I believe, that had little sort of um, what I want to say, like sort of indentations where you could put the thing in and twirl it, right? Yeah. But you would never pick up your spoon. That's the way the peasants do it, quote unquote. Right. Uh, in northern Italy, you don't do that. So you can tell a southern Italian from a, from a northern Italian because, I should reverse that, because uh, that's the way they eat. Uh, Gay Talese, who wrote this beautiful book called Unto the Sons about his family's Italian uh, family and immigration and all that. Uh, he talks about seeing Joe DiMaggio in a restaurant who was his hero at the time. Now, Gay is uh, two years younger than my dad, so he's 89. And, and Nick Pileggi is his first cousin. Okay. So they're all from Calabria. And he remembers seeing Joe DiMaggio in a restaurant twirling his pasta on his spoon and his father gay's father had always taught him not to do that because he would seem common and he said <laughs> look, at look at joe dimaggio look at joe dimaggio he's doing it <laughs> and that should have made it okay from then on i'm yeah, gonna talk about the argument the next time i get shit yeah right. well there you go because to me i i'll i'll throw without but also a lot of times I'll just do it because it's so much more fucking practical. It's so much more practical. And also it's just, there's something incredibly satisfying about it. Yes. Because it, it puts it twirls it into this perfect little food nest. Yeah. And then it goes you know? in your mouth. What's it the problem? Your mouth. Yeah. I don't know what the problem is, but I've, I've, I've gotten shit for it on more than one occasion. So I'll just say like, um, Hey, Calabrese, come on. What do you want? Yes, you, know? you, you should just say, tell them the story. And then you say, oh, you're calling me a peasant. <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a proud pasta twirling peasant. I don't care. I'm a, I'll go, you know, next time I'm in the northern region of Italy, uh, what is it, cucchiai or cucchiai or something, a spoon? Ooh. 
Cucchiaio. Yeah, cucchiaio, cucchiaio, yeah. you know, and then... Uh, and then Cosa avere un cucchiaio? Cosa avere, sì, cucchiaio. Cosa avere un cucchiaio? And then they'll look at you and go... Mm. No. <laughs> Peasant and then spit. And then I'll say Joe DiMaggio and they'll go, okay, yeah. now we got to give it to him. Yeah. Yeah. Now we got to give it to him. Um, I want to talk a little bit about your, uh, you know, your journey through, uh, from, I saw your earliest credit was Miami Vice, which is fucking delightful to me that you got to be in, a, that you got to be in like three Miami Vice episodes. Yes. Is, 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 a, is a part of television history as far as I'm concerned. Oh my God, yeah. <laughs> but... Just reading about like the early, you know, in the early 80s in New York and just like the local restaurants and the bowling alley that you went to and all of the, you know, it, is it, did it feel as, did it, did it, did it feel like hopeful and vibrant or did it sort of feel like, you know, what am I doing? This is a crazy business. It's a weird time. I don't know. How, how did you feel oh, starting uh, out right out of college? Oh, no, I was so excited. Oh, my God. I couldn't wait to get to New York. You know, I grew up in Westchester. I grew up only 50 miles away from New York. Uh, and I went to university in between where I grew up and New York. So it's like I didn't really travel. But I couldn't wait to get to New York City. New York City to me was, I'd always wanted to live there. I was so excited to be there. And for many, many years, I, I didn't have money. I didn't have, you know, you'd get a job intermittently or you, you know, might bartend or you'd paint apartments or you'd do whatever to, to make money. But as long as you were in the city, it didn't matter. It was exciting. Uh, it was exciting because it was changing. It's ever changing. But you still had all of this really old, cool stuff around like the bowling alley or, you know, great old bars, uh, great old Chinese restaurants or Cuban Chinese restaurants actually that were really good. Um, and I don't know, I felt this incredible sense of freedom, but also a connection with the history of the city. The history of the city always attracted me. Um, and now it's very different. New York is much more corporate. And I lived through the sort of cleanup of New York. Of New York. Uh, and it's very different now, uh, unfortunately. A lot of that stuff is gone. And as I write about in the book, you know, we're, 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 too, we're too easily prone to getting rid of a lot of history whether it's restaurants or uh, architecture or cultural. I mean, if you think about it, uh, um, Penn Station was destroyed uh, in the 1960s. Uh, they tried to, in the 1980s, I think, early 80s, they tried to knock down Grand Central Station. And it was only Jackie Kennedy who, who saved it. Um, uh, Madison Square Garden has been rebuilt four times in four different locations or something like that. I mean, it's crazy. It's like crazy, the stuff that we get rid of. And living in London now, it's really interesting because this is a city that was founded by the Romans. It was originally called Londinium. And we think about what it has gone through. 
the 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 great fire of london hitler actually during both world wars this city was bombed even during the first world war it was bombed by by zeppelins in the second world war it was bombed significantly first by the luftwaffe and then rockets i mean and yet it remains architecturally incredibly sound and preserved it's astounding it's and a gorgeous it's a gorgeous city like it's I, gorgeous but I'm, i mean i'm proselytizing but the fact that new york is so willing to just give up this history is just because new york is so small it's 12 miles by three miles, Manhattan. That's it. So why not take care of it? Well, maybe, I mean, you know, we, um, my wife and I love uh, historical buildings, you know, historical preservation. Like it, you know, and obviously in LA, nothing is really, no. everything, you know, the oldest, oldest stuff, you know, the oldest buildings here date back to the late 1800s, but everything, yeah. almost everything else was like, I know, as, as, as Jerry, as Jerry Lewis said to me, and I'm, I'm bragging, uh, he said, how old are you? And I met him and I was like 26. He goes, 26, I've got socks older than you. <laughs> and that, <laughs> you know, and in a way that is what LA, yeah. I mean, there's beautiful stuff there, but Jerry Lewis had socks older than L.A. too. He's a. He, I think he did. If he's got the socks, that they're older. What's uh, what I love about Italy too is that, you know, you'll go and first of all, you, you know, like, I mean, you 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 go through a door in an alleyway that doesn't look like much, and it open up to like the most stunning architectural church oh. inside. And you go, well, that's some cool. That's the most amazing thing I've ever seen. And then like a block down, there's another one, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And so, but it's, but it's like, oh, you're seeing buildings from the, you know, from the 15th, you know, 16th century. But then if you look down underneath, well, there's the original Roman foundation from like 2000 years ago. So, you know, the, the history of it is just so baked in. It's just so stratified, you know? I know it's incredible. And, and that's something that we don't, you know, we don't know. We didn't, you know, we didn't grow up with that in America. No. And I, uh, uh, I also kind of feel like that the ability to have culturally been around that long, you see a lot of the evolution, you see a lot of, you know, how all the different regions have really kind of um, solidified and evolved along the way, almost with such unique identities yes. that... You know, it, it, again, it's it's sort of what makes traveling to me, Italy. You just get such a different experience. You know, hopping on a train and going to a different place, and it's all it might all be around from the same time period, but it's just all so distinct from one another. Um, I know, I know. It's very experiential. I know. It's 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 so cool, and I think being here. When I when I lived in Italy when I was a kid, and then I went, I, I lived there for a year, and then I went back when I was um, uh, about twenty two, twenty three. I went back for three months, uh, no, three three weeks to four weeks, and I went to Italy. I went to you know England. I went to Vienna. I went to Paris for twenty five dollars a day. Oh. I'm actually not kidding. That was that includes where you're saying, and it was so incredible to me 
because this is before the European Union, right? But it was so easy to get around, to go from country to country to country to country. And what you were experiencing in this very short period of time was astounding. I'm not saying that isn't available in America, but the diversity in Europe, as you say, is it's to this day, it's astounding. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Most weight loss plans are one size fits all. Not taking into account each person's individual needs. Noom takes into account dietary restrictions, medical issues, and other personal needs to build a plan that works for you. Everyone's journey is different, so your daily lessons are personalized to you and your goals. Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology-based approach. Sign up for your free trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com. And check out Noom's first-ever cookbook, The Noom Kitchen, for 100 healthy and delicious recipes to promote better living. Available to buy now wherever books are sold. Um, I want to, just because I know we have limited time, so I just want to jump topics a little Sorry, bit. Sorry, I'm babbling, too. Just You're not babbling. Up. No, listen, th- but this is what the podcast is. It's conversational. It's yeah, not- I know, I know, but I don't want to... Fucking, you know. Just you're not. I'm asking because I want to. I want to know. Like, honestly, I see but I see your eyes. I see you glazing over sometimes. No, what There's you not. see is me looking off to the side because At there your was, next guest. There was so much in the. <laughs> <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, Clint Howard is here. No, I don't know why. I, just, I don't know why. I, said, I don't know why I threw out Clint Howard. It was the first thing. <laughs> what Clint Howard? Yeah. Mr. Matt Damon. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, and here he is. Hey, but he's here in my house. Hey, Stanley. Hey, um, but it's it, it's because I there there was so much in the book, and I, I never for podcasts, I never plan questions. I never I rarely take notes. Well, that's obvious. <laughs> <laughs> I should just end the podcast right there. What happened? I don't know. It just it, it got real weird. <laughs> Um, but but there was so much in the book that I was taking away from it that I made notes. So I just I just want to make sure that I'm covering the general areas yeah, because yeah, it yeah. does all tie. I, I'm sure that when, in doing publicity for the book, you've had to relive this experience. You must have known that when you put it in the book. Well, I'm going to put this in the book, and you even kind of address it in the book. I'm going to I'm going to talk about this experience that I went through, the cancer mm-hmm. diagnosis, the treatment. <clears throat> yeah. You must have known that putting it out there, something that you seemed, as far as I could tell, were very private about for a long time. Yeah. Now it's just this very public thing and everyone's going to want to talk to you about it. Are you are you okay talking about it a little bit today or do you just need a rest? No, I'm, no, I'm totally fine talking about it. Um, I wouldn't have put it in the book if I weren't fine talking about it. I think it's an important thing to talk about because it's an important topic and one in three, one in two of us will get it. Some kind of it, some form of it at some point in our lives. So 
It wasn't just the cancer diagnosis and the treatment, but also the fact that your wife was pregnant at the time, which going through a pregnancy right now, and I think about we have to mitigate stress as much as possible because it's just important to, you know, just not. And then all of a sudden you go through this life threatening, literally one of the most stressful things that a person can go through. And so how, how are you? And I know you gave a tremendous amount of your wife sounds amazing. But how are you able to sort of keep all this together and you're managing what is the creation of life and then also something that is very mortality facing at the same time, the parallels of those two. I mean, it just seems like, like what the fuck universe, you know, like just these two things running at the same time. Yeah. Do you have any thoughts about that experience or how you were able to sort of push through that to maintain? Well, I, I, I was able to do it because of Felicity, because she's so strong and supportive and my family and friends, they were great. And, I was determined to get better. I'm not going to pretend that I was a great patient because I wasn't. I was very unhappy. I was very depressed. Uh, I really struggled with it. I don't like to be weak, particularly physically. I'm a very physical person. I exercise constantly and always have. And the not being able to do that was horrifying. Um, you feel, and I think I wrote it in the book, that you you know, you can't get out of bed. You feel like a ghost in your own house. And there was one moment where I said to Fia, I, I said, I, suppose I never get better. I never thought, I actually got to a point a number of times where I thought I'm never going to get better. That's how, that's how bad I felt. <laughs> Um, also, of course, it's exacerbated by the fact that my wife, my first wife died of cancer and I watched her suffer through those treatments and we traveled around the world trying to figure out ways to make her better. That gave me a great education in cancer, um, regarding cancer, but and it introduced me to people with whom I'm still friends with today. Some of them are standard of care doctors. Some of them are alternative doctors. So they also helped me through it. But I was worried about my kids, that they had to watch another parent die of cancer. Um, yeah, I mean, look, the whole thing is fucked up. But <laughs> I was very lucky. I had the funds to be able to get the best treatment in the world. And there are so many people who went through what I went through or what Kate went through, uh, who don't have that. And we just, I guess we just have to remember that and make, you know, it's why living in England, I think is the fact that you have the NHS, even though yes, imperfect, but kind of brilliant. And there are so many people in America who don't, who would go through what I went through and they wouldn't survive. And are you feeling, are you taking on the weight of that as well when you're going through treatment? Are you having all sorts of complex emotions? Is there like a survivor's guilt? Is there any kind of yeah. anything? Oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, 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 of course. I mean, I've always had survivor's guilt. <clears throat> 
you know, since Kate passed away, you, you can't help but have that. Right. I dream about her all the time. And, you know, I feel in the dreams, I'm so happy to see her. And she's very unhappy to see me, um, which is, <laughs> she never was in real life, thank God. But, um, yeah, there's obviously guilt. Um, but, you know, I really, yeah, I just want to, I want to live as long as I can, as well as I can, and be with the people I love because I know how short life can be. Well, I would just, I would just hope for you or for anyone that with everything that you're going through that you don't also take, the reason that I asked about the guilt is because I just think when we're going through things, we can take on things that are unnecessary. It's like you're going through enough. You don't need to torture yourself with these other things as well. You know what I mean? But it's just something that we do. And I think because we do feel bad knowing that things can be worse or that, you know, and, but, but I think that it's okay to not take that on during these times. And when, when, when people are going through what is already like the worst thing, you know, one of the worst things that they could go through. And I just, I was, yeah. I was reading about the treatment process and just how uh, long and arduous it was and, you know, just weeks and weeks and weeks and a, being fed through a tube for six months in your stomach and, and going through the treatments and like what, you know, what, when you're halfway through the treatments, like what is going through your head when you're sitting in this radiation? And again, anything you don't want to talk about, of course, I don't mean to pry, be disrespectful. I, I, uh, what is keeping you going in that moment? When we talk about, let me frame it this way. When we talk about staying in the moment, when you're in a moment that you fucking do not want to be in, how do you navigate that moment? Are you thinking ahead? Are you thinking like yes. this is leading yes. to better? No, you're thinking ahead. You're thinking, I'm not going to let this kill me. I'm not going to let this defeat me. Um, I'm claustrophobic. Not anymore, really. Uh, the idea of strapping me down, pinning me down with this thing over my head and having, you know, high-dose radiation directed at me uh, was horrifying. And I thought, I can't do this. And then I thought, well, you have to do it. So you do it. But then if you have people around you supporting you, just do it. But you have to think of the future. However, your idea of the future is very very different than the actual future. So I thought that I would be healed in six months. I'll be fine. Well, no. It's three years on now. And I'm still not not fully back to who I was. In the sense of certain um, taste? Yeah, I don't, yeah, yeah, I don't know. Taste is fine. I don't have all my saliva back. Um, your mouth is still hypersensitive. Can't eat any, anything with spice at all. Uh, yeah, it's different. I've built my body back up. Uh, my legs still aren't where they should be because, uh, you know, I like to exercise and be fit. And um, But it's it just takes – also, I'm 60 – I'm going to be 61. I mean, you can only build and retain muscle for so long. It's different than when you're younger. So you got to push it that little extra bit. What have you learned, you know, with just – with all the stuff that you've been through, 
What have you learned about acceptance? Are there some things that you feel, because obviously when horrible things happen, we don't want to accept it, but ultimately, eventually we have to, if we want to move on or make peace. So what have you, what have you learned from facing it and dealing with it, you know, for people who are going through their own incredibly stressful times or experiences or whatever? I think, I think that obviously acceptance is important, but it's a very broad concept. Right. So there's nothing wrong with being angry uh, about what happens to you or what happened to someone else that you love or nothing wrong with that. Just depends on what you do with it. So yes, eventually you're going to have to accept it because it is what it is. But acceptance doesn't necessarily mean acquiescence. It just means, <laughs> it just means, I suppose acceptance is just another word for acknowledgement. Right. So if you acknowledge something, that's a good place to be. Don't do your best not to take the pain out on somebody else. Right. Which we all do when we experience loss or suffer ourselves. And I'm guilty of that. We're all guilty of that. So I think that's where we need to be. We might never really be able to fully accept the loss of someone, but we can acknowledge it. Right. I think that's a really beautiful way to put it, that it's that that accepting or even forgiving someone who hurt us. Or it's like that doesn't mean that you have to think it's OK. Right. I think it just means that you have to give yourself permission to be able to move forward. Yeah, because yeah, you have to you have to understand it. Once you understand something, then you can make a proper choice about how you're going to feel about it. <laughs> well, even, you know I mean? even if that understanding is, I think I may never understand this. Yeah, I don't yeah that's that. fine. Yeah. That's fine. But you have to try to understand. We're all just, <laughs> we're born, we live, and then we die. And as Beckett said, for reasons unknown you know for reasons unknown i cannot keep silent you know it's like you just want to talk you want to express your views you want to live your life you want to love people but the idea of living you know uh does that mean something different to you now than it did 15 20 yes. years ago yes of course it does simply because i'm getting older and because I was sick and because, you know, Kate died and I've had so many friends die of cancer and other things. Yes, life is to be cherished. It doesn't mean I'm not going to complain. It doesn't mean I'm not going to, you know, be in pain in the neck. But you know the importance of it. Sometimes I feel like there is a little bit of pressure to like, well, you better enjoy every moment and you're just sort of stick there. You're too aware of everything. Like, okay, I think, am I enjoying it enough now? Is this, am I enjoying it? Am I in it now? Is this enjoying? Fuck, no. I don't know. I don't know if I'm enjoying no, it enough. No, I mean, look, here's the thing. Sometimes you're enjoying it and sometimes you're not. I, I don't know. It's not like you have way. to be like, you know, happy in jazz hands every day. I mean, you're just like, I don't know. Some days I feel really shitty and I'm angry and some days I feel this and some days, you know, whatever. But it doesn't mean you don't love life. Right. It means you're acknowledging life and the complexity of life. How's the baby doing? 
What baby? Your wife had a baby a couple years ago. Yeah, she's fine. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. No. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> ah, it's a baby. What do you want? You know, I'm asking because we're like. No, she's, well, I don't even think of her. She's three now. So she's more than walking and more than talking. She's incredible, incredible. They both, these two, uh, they are also their best friends. He's six, she's three. And they love each other so much. I've, I've never seen anything quite like it, actually. Having raised many children, they are, oh, God, just in love with each other. It's fantastic. Do you have some good parenting advice I did not have kids when I was young. I'm, you know. How old are you? 49. What? Yeah. Really? I am. Fuck, you look like you're 35. Yes! You do. I appreciate that. I'm not flirting. <laughs> Which would be fine if you were, but I take the compliment. Um, I, I uh, yeah, so I'm, I'm squarely, I'm like upper middle age. And. Uh, so you're going to have a kid. We are, yeah. Um, wonderful. And your wife is excited? Thrilled. I mean, was, this was something we were trying to do. We waited. Would have, probably would have happened before the pandemic. We waited. Oh, okay. We got our, vac- got our vaccinations in the early spring, and then we're very fortunate that it happened pretty quickly. So. Oh, good. Well, you I'm know, happy. so I'm, I'm always just digging for, for parent advice because, you know, everyone's like, your life's going to change, kid. And I go, yeah, I know. Well, no. You know, it is, and it is. In it's the best be, way. It's going to be wonderful and exhausting. <laughs> and you'll never be the same. Because, excuse me, you're, as they say, you're only as happy as your unhappiest child. Oh, that's genius. Oh, my God, that's genius. My hope is that we sort of instate, like, the family meal, you know? Well, do that. That's crucial. That's crucial. And I feel badly because with us, it's been so hard with COVID and the disparate ages and all that. But we we have to have two family meals, the little kids and then the older kids. But that is crucial. Do it. Do it. Well, uh, mille grazie, Stanley, too. But the, truly, this was really wonderful chatting with you. I, I, I hope you had a nice time. And I really. Well, I had a really nice time. And it's really nice to talk to you. And you're such a nice fella. And I, 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 number one, I want you to get that visa. I'm going to try. Uh, the passport. You're going to get it. And so. that's going to be the coolest thing because then your kid's going to have it. Yeah. And that's super, super important. Well, your book is very touching and very open and just a gorgeous book uh comes out october 5th there's a great meatball recipe in there like there's just it's got everything stories food through stories (laughs) and you know and i appreciate it thank you for being so open and i'm so glad that you're okay stanley tucci thank you thank you very kind thank you i'm really happy to talk to you and 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 we will meet i someday i hope so yes all right ID Tanti scanning complete. Enjoy your burrito. This episode is brought to you by the effortlessly scrumptious bite of Skinny Pop popcorn. Imagine this perfectly popped, endlessly delicious kernels 
a symphony of just three simple ingredients, popcorn, sunflower oil, and a sprinkle of salt. No compromise, just pure snacking freedom. And hey, if you're up for a twist, dive into flavors like zesty white cheddar to sweet and salty kettle. Every bite's a delight, light and oh so tasty. Shop Skinny Pop now.